Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Speaking Volumes, Books, Writing, and the World of Publishing. We are here today with authors Mary Claire and Gary Ferguson for their book, Full Ecology. Um, It came out not too long ago. Small but very powerful book this is. Uh, Before we dive in, I just want to let you guys know if you're interested in finding more information about Mary and Gary or their book, uh, you can go to our website, which is crowded-bookshelf.com, or you can visit their website, which is fullecology.com. Gary Ferguson is a best-selling science writer and keynote speaker. He began his career chronicling the tracks humans leave in nature, but more recently, he says he's working to portray the tracks nature leaves in us. And Mary Claire, PhD, is a consultant, speaker, and scholar who is using her passion for the natural world together with her 30-year career as a social and cultural psychologist to craft socio-ecological approach to the urgent realities of climate change. Together in their new book, Mary and Gary examine the integral connection between humans and nature to offer a guide to the path forward in these challenging times. And a bit about the book, which is here again. Climate anxiety is on the rise. Rather than propose a 10-step plan to save the earth, full ecology encourages a more elemental rethinking of our connections to nature. True change, the authors argue, begins with understanding ourselves not as isolated individuals, but as being in harmony with our human and non-human worlds. From this process of mindfulness and reflection, they offer an alternative strategy for acting in ecologically healthy ways and for inspiring others to do the same. Uh, Mary and Gary, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, it's really, again, isn't it, since we tried this once before and uh, it it didn't go so well, but. (laughs) Well, hey, we're Gemini's, so, you know, (laughs) that explains everything. (laughs) Well. Yes. Either, either way, we're very glad to have you back uh, so we can actually have this nice conversation and share it with, uh, you know, the rest of the world. Um, so just to start, I kind of like to start my events with some sort of icebreaker questions, just so the, you know, the viewers can kind of get to know who you guys are a little bit. Uh, so hopefully these aren't too difficult since I kind of spring them on people. Um, if you could have, you know, tea or go for a walk, anything like that, uh, with three writers living or dead, who would you pick? Ah, <laughs> I would pick Maya Angelou. Yeah, and I would pick uh, Sister Helen Prejean, okay. who wrote the book Dead Man Walking. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And I would pick um, did you say living or dead? Right, because Maya. Yep. But living or dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to think about the third one. Gary, go. Okay. Yeah, Tag and Gary. I'm thinking uh, Barry Lopez, mm-hmm. um, Margaret Mead. Yeah. And um, I think for my third, I would say um, William Faulkner. Okay. Uh, just because uh, he was a strange human being with a yeah. perspective that um, lasted uh, the normal view of the world. And so that level of creativity is something I would be, I think, starstruck by. Yeah. Yeah. H- how did, how do you do it, Gary or William? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. We'd yeah. start with that question over. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yep. Bypass all the small talk, dive right in. I think I might, my, for my third one today, I might pick um, Jane Goodall. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that there would be something quite interesting in in being in conversation with her, especially at her age and mm-hmm. what she continues doing. 
yeah. about um, that kind of the part of what we're, we're trying to get at, which is the, the difficult to see while you're in it dance between mm-hmm. being a human being among all these other beings and getting it that that's exactly what's going on is this interchange that finally to, to humans because of our limitations, even though we don't think we have them mm-hmm. um, to get it, you know, we don't, it's always a mystery. Yeah. Well, I'd be curious to hear what she had to say. Yeah. I think she would, you know, just, yeah, like you said, at her age and everything she's gone through, I think she would have a really, really interesting perspective and, you know, some ideas on that. Yeah. All right. Um, and then another one. What, so since you guys kind of worked on this book together, uh, what was one of the most enjoyable things about working on a book with another person? Um, and what was maybe one of the harder things? I just, I, there is no question in my mind that there, that this thing that has come to be called collective intelligence or cooperative intelligence, or anyway, there's, there's a thing that happens that is bigger than either thinker. So I felt that happening again and again in the process Mm -hmm. that, that when both of us just kind of relaxed and the ideas came forward, the synthesis, and it's not even synthesis because it's bigger than that. What came out of that was better thinking and uh, yeah, than we would have had otherwise. So that was a real positive. Yeah. yeah, I think the fact that this book was actually conceived uh, on trails and, and, and roadways while we were walking and talking and that particular combination of activities, I actually think is a lovely and often overlooked way to explore creativity mm-hmm. and uh, to see how Mary's background as a social scientist really meshed with mine as a uh, a naturalist and a uh, and a science and conservation writer um, to see that happen and unfold on the trail um, amidst beautiful beautiful scenery and uh, wildlife and, and it, that that was very meaningful to me. Yeah, and you know, I'd say as far as challenges, um, let's see if I can articulate this. <laughs> um, the, the book's uh, centers around gently um, uncovering our human addiction to believing we're separate. Mm-hmm. And it offers ways of uh, healing from that. So, so the, one of the most difficult things about writing together was running up against that yeah. in each of us. Because it can feel like, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, what about me? You know, and those are sure signs that I've dropped back in to my separate thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and it's helpful to see as you're writing about this stuff, how deeply socialized we are into this kind of reflexive response to the world. There's a me and there's the rest of the world. Um, but that's a really lonely wacky place to live and that's why we have so many of the difficulties we have as humans in human community and in interaction with the natural world and i would say while mary who's a a very good writer and uh, i both have long familiarity 
although it's always a challenge, with our own individual voices. This is a project, as collaborations often are, that require us to find who we are as a combined voice. And that's a, that's a, a, a melding of the two of us to create something perhaps bigger than either one of us individually. And yet it's, it's difficult to not um, come up with something that's lesser than right. so that we feel both of us are satisfied, but it doesn't carry the kind of stylistic intrigue for the reader that um, it, it needs to. So that, that, that stylistic uh, challenge was was considerable at times. I, I think we did a good a good job with it, but it was it wasn't always easy. Yeah. yeah. So you can see, in some ways, by our responses to these things, how the the process that we were engaged in. Um, Gary is very much in, in that response. The he is an expert at the craft of writing. And in that expertise, he knows that for the rest of his life, he's given himself over to getting better and better and better. And and then so he brings that forward. And what he just said that was absolutely true. And then what I bring forward are these, these suggestions about how we grow mm-hmm. and how we learn. And writing is actually crucial to helping us grow, or we can certainly use that as a very powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's so great because I I kind of found myself wondering that as I read the book and, you know, oftentimes a lot of books that I'm reading, things that the the author is talking about, I kind of wonder if, you know, if the process of writing this book or, you know, whatever book it is helped them to, you know, to understand the very things that they're writing about. So yeah, it sounds like you two definitely, you know, yeah, you're talking about how we want to, we want to isolate as, you know, just ourselves, but, you know, we're still very social creatures. So it's, you know, it's very interesting to hear that, yeah, you kind of just learned and were experiencing that as you were writing this book, which I'm sure helped, you know, to really kind of understand the very concepts that you're writing about. Exactly. Exactly. That's so true. Well, and that we were, we are admittedly on the road. It's not like we can say there's, there's, there may not even be a there there, Mm -hmm. except for to um, get what we call right sized as a species. But that has to start with individuals, or it has to be both places all the time. Mm -hmm. And being right sized is to really reimagine or re-understand we, we get into imagination first and then we go oh right mm-hmm. this feels better because was i ever not nature was right. i ever not related to all of this mm-hmm. no no wonder i've been feeling a little off yeah a lot off right because this is me that's burning up mm-hmm. you know that's a little dramatic but yeah. this is me that that I want to interact with and and take care of, be yeah. a part of in the right size. I yeah. can't get out there as a superhero either and just right. you know, snap my fingers and be done. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, kind of um, just kind of what you're saying is, yeah, it's like, you know, we are, we are part of this. We are part of this larger world and yeah, we can't just go out and, you know, make everything better with a wave of our hand. Um, but it sounds, it kind of sounds like that idea that, you know, when it, when it comes to making some sort of impact on, you know, the climate crisis that we're having, 
you know, you say to people, oh, well, I just recycle more or take shorter showers or, you know, all these little things to do to try and combat it. And I think so many of us will have that reaction sometimes where we're like, well, what, what good is that going to do really in the long run? Like, it's such a small thing. But, you know, you have to remind yourself that, you know, but these small things, like, you know, you are part of this, you're a small part of this. So your contributions, however small, are still going to help. So don't, you know, don't get isolated again and think, oh, well, I can't do anything. You know, remember that you are part of this and everything you do will affect it. Well, and, you know, Mary and I talk often about we don't know if we're going to be able to actually as humans show up in a way that that avoids some of the, the worst of, of the effects. Mm-hmm. However, there is tremendous in the moment right now benefit from us midwifing this new or actually very old perspective that we are connected, we are interdependent, mm-hmm. we are kin and we have kinship with the planet mm-hmm. and to act toward the planet in ways that um, reflect how we would act for the welfare of our family or our dearest friends changes how we go through life. And it opens up a chance to be, I think, much more satisfied with these days we have, no matter what happens in the future. Yes, it will probably also, though, have a positive effect on, on, Uh, on the climate change fight because it's going to help us sustain the energy we need and that kind of love that carries us through the development of technologies and the electing of the right officials and all the other little tedious things we have to do underneath all that is the belief system that gives us the energy to do it. Yeah. Yeah, We write about um, the old, the, well, the saying that was picked up by the, a lot of the environmental community think globally but mm-hmm. act locally. Yeah. And um, the last blog that we posted was about that specifically focusing on regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. Most of your listeners are not going to be farmers or ranchers. Yeah. I'm guessing, but I don't know. You know, maybe a handful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but that is a way that those people who live out on the land, and this isn't, you know, certainly, it's gaining in popularity. It's just not that hard to get your cows to simulate what the bison did. Right. When they do that, when they're clustered and moved from pasture to pasture, they stomp around, they eat, they're shoulder to shoulder, Mm -hmm. they poop, Mm -hmm. they keep stomping around, they go to the next pasture. And then what happens is that the indigenous grasses take hold Mm -hmm. and replace the intrusive, the the non-indigenous species, mm-hmm. um, opportunistic species that have come there, those grasses grow way deeper into the ground with their roots. Mm-hmm. And they are far better at sequestering carbon, far better at holding moisture. And so then over time, and it takes some time, but it's remarkably efficient mm-hmm. when it comes to addressing these issues. Now, the extent to which the ranch and farm people who have chosen this are also slowing down to ask themselves who they are really, you know, and to get that they, they know that they're a part of nature. Mm-hmm. They've been out there on the land making it happen for, for their careers. Yeah. You know, so, so nature has its way of teaching when you're out in it. Mm-hmm. And we're suggesting that we're all out in it all the time anyway. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, you might you might be in a city, but you're still in nature as much as the surrounding has felt, you know, man-made and yeah. Definitely. Well, as long as you're drinking water and breathing air. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can't get away from that unless you don't want to be here anymore. So, um, so just really quick, since, I mean, it's the title of your book, Full Ecology. Um, if you could give, you know, sort of a like 50 to a hundred word summary of what full ecology is and what the kind of concept is that you're, exploring in this book what would it be i i i can do it in even less okay. it's about breaking down this wall that humans have built between themselves between the human psyche and the natural world it's about reclaiming your human nature um and healing that division, healing that isolation, um, healing that us versus them mentality that has taken hold so deeply over the last 500 years. And using the language that we really highlight in the book, it's healing and offering full ecology is right here to help us heal from the illusion that we are separate from the natural world or really separate from anything or anybody. Mm -hmm. And that because we're so deeply socialized to believe we're separate can make us feel a little weird. Yeah. You know, we kind of, it's okay to be isolated mm -hmm. except for we're lonely. Yeah. Except for we're depressed and anxious and yeah. So it's not really okay. And yeah. I, don't think, I don't think we as environmentalists even consider very often how often we too think of nature is out there. Good the thing we're going to save humans here often bad uh the, the the notion of seeing us humans as an expression of the natural world which of course we are which means we have a lot of the superpowers that the natural world has as far as how we not just survive but thrive that's that's the first step that we need to get our head around and and it's tough like i said even for people who have devoted their lives to you know to the well-being of the uh, of the so-called environment mm -hmm. yeah well i mean like you said i mean we're all we're all kind of conditioned that way from you know from when we're born to think that we are separate. So even if you've gone, gone down that path of, you know, realizing this illusion of separation and everything more than other people, it's still, it's still kind of ingrained in your head and you can fall back on old ways. So Absolutely. totally. I mean, just deep. watch road rage or pedestrian rage. I have, a, I mean, I would like to think it's not rage anymore, but annoyance. Yeah. yeah. Still, it's, it's still rage. there. <laughs> yep for sure for sure um yeah so going back to the book since that's why we're here although there's you know we I, we could just talk for hours i feel like you guys yeah. are just so <laughs> great i just love it and that um, was the first time too so yeah that's, that's good yeah so so you break the book down um into a couple of sections um which is stop ask stop ask act and inspire um what what was kind of, you know, how did you come to these kind of four particular steps as sort of a, you know, I guess sort of a, a guide for people that are looking to overcome this, you know, this separation and sort of reconnect with nature? In my work um, and my scholarship, I have had the opportunity to really dig deeply into 
you know, all we have is our language. Mm-hmm. That's been another interesting conversation. <laughs> but to um, help us move through the world. But I have been training people and doing research in how do you help people solve problems in community settings, mm-hmm. in schools, in communities? How do you support that process? Well, the first thing that you have to do is to stop and listen to each other and speak to each other long enough to identify the problem. Because we are really good at jumping to intervention because we want it to be better. And the quicker we do it, the sooner it'll get better. But we are all the time answering the wrong problem Mm. because we haven't slowed down to get it that what I see the problem is and what you see the problem is are, are different things. Right. And so then there's not even a sense. We say it a bit more radically in repairing our relationship to the natural world. That stop is just a full stop. Mm-hmm. Just stop. Even if it's just for a split second. And that opens up this space for seeing what's really going on and what's really problematic. And, and that allows a space to, you know, without resistance, just feel how pleasant it is to stop and how quickly we can become aware of all the spin in our heads, how noisy. We don't even have to name it, but how that there's so much static in there. Mm-hmm. And when we're making decisions from that static, that's part of what gets us into messes like climate change. Yeah. And, and, and as far as stop is concerned, that is an opportunity to bring us into the present moment. And, and nature exists in the present moment. If, if suddenly the apple tree finds itself invaded with the larvae that are eating its leaves and it's dying, that's the time in the face of that particular problem in that moment to set off the pheromones, call in the wasps that eat the larvae and help save the apple tree. The the, the things that nature do are responding to the reality of what's going on in the environment. I'm, I'm struck by how many times world leaders in the last 150 or 200 years have decided they were going to go off on retreats that included trails through wooded areas where they could walk and share ideas. And I think part of it is because nature is so good at allowing you to stop in the way that Mary described it and actually listen to what the other person is saying. And so that stopping, especially in this hectic culture, is is critical. Yeah, and and listening to the natural world too. So then what the stop is this counterintuitive thing. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like we ought to do it, do stuff, do something. Yeah. <laughs> so the stop is really the foundation upon which we can ask better questions. And from asking better questions, we can formulate more responsive actions like um, regenerative agriculture, for example. Right. Because um, we got clever down. We can do clever, but it doesn't necessarily accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the inspiration part, which is the, the fourth part, once, once you've stopped. And then the act. And you, that I said take oh, actions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> once you stop and then you ask and you take actions from there, mm-hmm. 
what you do is inspiring whether you try to make it inspiring or not. Mm-hmm. Because you're being inspired by the natural world and your connections with all that is without even really You don't have to be thinking about it. You don't have to be conscious about it. You're just coming from a place of connection. Mm -hmm. And so then people see you in action and they go, whoa, I want some of that. What are they doing? And and the stopping, I would say that we set it up as four steps, but it's not, it recycles all the time. Mm -hmm. So the stopping is a constant Mm -hmm. invitation. And I think that for me, the asking was, and, and we were doing that together early on, just almost as soon as we met, is dismantling a lot of the assumptions that were, were given, preparing the field, if you will, for a new and more honest and realistic view of how the world and how life on planet Earth actually works. If during the asking, you have an opportunity to say, is there really such a thing as a rugged individual? Uh-huh. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, less than the less than half of the cells in a human body are, are human. They're, yeah. they're microbes, you right. know, many of which came to live with us after we were here. So mm-hmm. the, the sense of interdependence is something we're only just starting to appreciate. So through that asking, then we get a chance to act out of a, out of a clearer space, a clearer sense of what reality is. So Mary and I aren't really pushing some sort of woo philosophical idea. It's based both on social science and the natural sciences on, 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 on what's reality, real. how, yeah. how things actually happen yeah. and unfold on this planet. And so there's great comfort. You don't have to believe in it. It's not an article of faith. It's right. just simply, um, it, it's the way things work. Yeah. And you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking that the stopping itself makes it possible to see that whether we've thought about it or believed it or not, We've always been in this interdependence. Yeah. It's not like the microbes haven't been there. That's true because we anyway. didn't believe right? yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. Yeah, that is I think that can be something that really is easy like easier for people to grasp because it's not, you know, oh well you have to, you know, like kind of take a leap of faith into this idea. Like it's it's just there and it's, you know, it's tangible and you know, it's it's just sort of like it's like a re education. Like you said, you're kind of relearning to you know how you interact in the world like you've always been that way but now you're just seeing it and you're like oh okay all right it's all becoming more clear i'm getting a different picture yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, exactly Exactly. yeah oh sorry my dog is barking i don't i don't know if you can hear her but (laughs) (laughs) anyway but i can hear yeah it's it's just it's just nature just more nature in the event (laughs) um all right uh Sorry, again, looking down at my paper. Um, where am I? Goodness. Um, so we've, you know, we've defined full ecology. We've talked about the kind of big things that this book is hoping to do. What do you hope that this book in particular offers readers, you know, in, in terms of how to kind of react to this climate crisis that other books about the same topic maybe don't? Well, one of the things that we've seen in some of the responses that we've received is that um, people are ready for that paradox, Mm. that paradox that starts with stopping. And um, that's hard to describe, but it it seems so counterintuitive that we as a species are going to be able to be better equipped, um, 
better in our right-sized role if we stop and and allow ourselves to see the illusion that we've been functioning under and then to I, again the word imagine comes to mind what it is that that it looks like to think from connection rather than separation here's the good news we've always thought from connection we've mm-hmm. never lost that you know we don't we stop at stop signs still yeah well, that's kind of a connected thought you know right. do that wouldn't be pretty yeah so yeah. Well, and I, I, I think people will feel um, right away in this book that we are trying to stand or grow from what's working. Mm-hmm. This isn't yes. just a critique of what we've done wrong. In fact, it's very little that. It's more, this is what's working, and also to reassure a reader that you've got everything you need. Right. Mm-hmm. You are hardwired with the instinct for cooperation. I mean, the humans have been, I think, rightly so, called by evolutionary biologists the most cooperative species of mammal on the planet. Mm -hmm. And that gives us an extraordinary capacity to actually grow and meet whatever challenges in front of us. We, we don't always act on that. But so those two things, I think to, to, to understand all that's working and then to, to move forward from these skills and instincts that are very hardwired, which by the way, is another reason we encourage people to stop because it's when you're in the present moment that instinct or intuition can show itself and you can hear it. You're not stomping it down because you're onto something else. And that's how we move forward by, by tuning into what um, we're feeling and and thinking inside uh, is the best for the most people and the most, the most creatures. Yeah. And and thing that your listeners might give a go with for the next week is to check how often attention, their attention your attention, my attention gets turned mm-hmm. to what's not working. Yeah. You know, we spend most of our time attending to that. And that's because we've all got a little OC and we would like for things to be all taken care of. And when they're all taken care of, we can finally relax and know a little bit of joy and have a little bit of fun. Yeah, no, yeah. that's not the way to proceed. And so check and see, that's probably not a way a tree proceeds or a mushroom mm-hmm. or a, a, the fledgling hawk that we were hearing calling yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's not how they're rolling. Yeah. So take a week and notice how quickly you go into that and then stop long enough, slow enough to pay attention to everything that's working. Even if you have to just start with gravity. You know, you're not flying off the planet. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but there are many, many things that are working uh, all the time. Um, and, and I think that evolutionary biology does point to that. Looking at the headlines, you wouldn't know we're the most cooperative species on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can certainly diminish or um, destroy that we've proven that we can it, it, it seems to me like there are these two different ways we can go forward since we have such developed frontal lobes we can imagine all the various things that are going bad right now and all the things that could go wrong in the future and that's easy to do and we're encouraged to do that and then try to chart out a set of actions to avoid those negative uh, consequences or 
we can try to locate ourselves in this moment, in this body, in this mind, in the relationships that are sustaining us right now, and then simply through what we know how to do, move forward in a way that honors those things. So um, there, there really is another way to go forward other than just piling on um, the catastrophic uh, scenarios, which is unfortunately what frontal lobes can do very well. Yeah. And there is yeah. another thing that Gary just said, we can try to locate ourselves in the present moment. That's one of the things that shifts when we get more into connected knowing. And there, that is that you drop the trying. Mm-hmm. Like to try is once again, that assertion of individual separate from other agency and that's not to say (laughs) i remember a really wise wise person when i said okay i'm ready not to try and his response was yeah stop trying not to try yeah you already (laughs) failed yes (laughs) and and it wasn't really so much a failure it was just a a, another reminder of ah yeah right right yeah uh, and so and and the I bring that up not to challenge Gary and you know that but oh yeah it's true it's, it's a good point it's yeah. an illustration of how deep this stuff goes yeah. mm-hmm. and we just we can't say that in you know a portion of a generation we're going to be done with separate thinking it's too deep yeah you no know, but we can start catching it and calling it. Mm-hmm. And checking to see what else there is. Like, so what is working? Mm-hmm. Or how am I connected, even though it feels like I'm all by myself? And that's not, not minor. Because mm-hmm. we all know that when we're in the middle of our deepest pain, there's very little that, that we're interested in uh, looking at in terms of connection. And nonetheless, we breathe. Mm-hmm. And nonetheless, gravity holds us on the planet. Yeah, you got yeah, to start somewhere. Mary, called call me out quite correctly. So because as, as I'm trying to be more in the moment, I've already set up a future condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How will I know when that actually, that goal I've just set through that language, I'm going to try to do this, is achieved. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I undermined the entire uh, the entire project. Well, so. like like you said, it's it's so ingrained. So yeah, and you know, and then going back to we're a social species, and we can help each other. You know, Mary's there to help you when you know when yes. you kind of fall back, and and vice versa. Yeah, <laughs> and we and you move forward from there. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah, that's great. All right, and well, this is with the natural world too. Yes. You know? That's the the, um, the just opening up. And like you were saying earlier, in May, you know, that even if you're in an urban setting, mm-hmm. open window, going for a walk outside, even if you're, I understand that the um, largest town in the country of Georgia mm-hmm. has almost no trees. You know, I know. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, the natural world hasn't, given up the natural world is there yeah 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 there any any time i think about sort of you know probably how long after humans are you know maybe not entirely gone but not maybe the dominant (laughs) species on the planet anymore 
I always have confidence in the fact that nature will persist because back in high school, um, we had a room um, for like our band instrument storage and the wall, it had, you know, the kind of just latex or whatever it is, baseboards and some, some plant from outside managed to grow up out of that baseboard and was like, just kind of across the floor. And so I think of that, plant and how it grew through you know like cinder block walls and and all this and i'm like nature's gonna be fine like we might we might you know bang it up a little bit but it's gonna be fine and i think about that plant and that's what that's reminds cool. me yeah so yeah yeah and then someone pulled the plant i was so disappointed i was like you should have just left it it was fine that's know. how could they uh, yeah so all right. Well, we're we're coming up on ten forty-five. I don't want to take up too much of your time this morning, um, but I am going to sh- show this book again. Um, but like I said earlier, I could sit and talk to Mary and Gary for ages because they just have such wonderful ideas, and all of the ideas are in this book. Um, it's small, but it's very powerful. So I definitely recommend you pick it up. Um, and and like you guys were saying earlier, that this book is kind of it's not a it's not a critique. It's not, you know, sort of a, Oh, humans, we've done such terrible things. It's, you know, we're just trying to now work forward and make this better. I think there definitely is a, there was a time and a place to sort of be harsh on ourselves and be like, Hey guys, like we've been screwing up. We need to do better. Um, so, and this is definitely that book that it, it doesn't make you feel bad about yourself. It doesn't make you feel that you're not doing anything. It just reminds you that you are, you are there and you are present and you can be more present and there is always more you can do. And no matter how small it is, it's, you know, it's better than nothing. So that's definitely an inspiration. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, do you have any final thoughts you would like to leave our, our listeners and our viewers with? Go outside. Go outside. (laughs) Great place to start. Three of the concepts we mentioned in that book that are really essential uh, in, in, when it comes to action. If if we can guide what we do according to the notions of beauty and community and mystery, if you choose what you're going to do on behalf of your family, your own life, or the earth itself, with those things in mind, um, th- that is a way, I think, to both pull forward um, your next action and to make sure that they're going to be as useful and, and, um, and, and generative as, as, as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. yeah. And yeah, go, go outside. I like that. It's simple. It's easy. That's, it. That's <laughs> it. It's a great place to start. All right. Well, thank you guys so much again for coming back and redoing this so we can actually send it out into the world. Um, again, if you want to learn more about Mary and Gary and their book and everything else that they are doing, fullecology.com. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks everyone for watching and listening and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. All righty. Thanks Bye for now. Thanks.